Amen. Amen. Take your seats. Aren't you glad you're here this morning? Just look at your neighbour. They look glad to be here. Really? Just look them in the eye and say, you are glad to be here. Welcome if you're joining us online. Uh, wherever you're watching us from, whether you're in this very warm room today, isn't it? Or maybe it's because I've just been jumping around. What a worship team you've got. What a time of worshipping God's presence. Give me this over Glastonbury any day. How about you? Oh, praise God. Praise God. Okay, we give thanks to God. We're going to open our scriptures in 1 Corinthians uh, chapter 1, verse 4. If you've got a Bible, you can follow us along and uh, I've, I've just been pressing on my heart what Paul is saying to the Corinthian church. Is there anything that we can learn today from these ancient texts? Now, Corinthians, if you know your history, there's a bit of a, a few issues that Paul had with them, which he, he addresses in his first letter and uh, the second letter. We, well, there was a third letter, but we seem to have lost that through history. Um, but we only have the two, so we'll go with that. Let's jump into Scripture. Shall we do that? This is Paul. He says, I give thanks to my God always because of the grace that has been given to you in Jesus Christ, my Lord. Despite what issues they had, Paul could see the grace of God. Isn't that a gift, isn't it? The grace of God in every way has enriched you in him both in your speech and in your knowledge, knowledge of every kind, that the testimony of our Lord Jesus Christ will be strengthened in you so that you're not lacking in anything spiritual or any spiritual gifts. I tell you, there is a lack today that the Holy Spirit wants to address. Anyway, uh, that you may not be lacking as you wait for the revealing of our Lord Jesus Christ and he will strengthen you to the end so that you might be blameless in the day of our Lord Jesus Christ because God is faithful and by him you're called into fellowship with his son, Jesus Christ our Lord. Now, he says, I appeal to you, brothers and sisters, by, um, by the name of our Lord Jesus Christ that you should be in agreement and there should be no divisions among you and you should be united in purpose and with the same mind and the same purpose, that unity. And I want to break this scripture up into three sections. And first of all, this morning, I want to talk about the grace of God and what that means for us. We open in the letter here to Paul teaching the Corinthians and really what it means to be called into Christ or being in Christ is a constant theme for Paul throughout his letters or being in Christ by the Spirit of God. And Paul sets the context of his letter here and he continues uh, to exhort them, to rebuke them, to inspire them. This is a church that Paul cared for a great deal. And as with much of his letters, Paul speaks to the church in the light of the end goal. What is our purpose? What is our direction? Where are we headed? And he brings this into their focus, what he calls the day of our Lord Jesus Christ. This is the day that Jesus spoke about when the inauguration and the installation of the kingdom of God, when Christ will be revealed. It's not Christ returning as such, it's Christ being revealed, because how many know that Christ never really left us? But we wait for the revelation of Jesus Christ. We want Christ to be revealed here and now, and we know he will be revealed 
at the end. And it's this dual focus that Paul has in both the here and now in God's kingdom and the kingdom that's to come. And it's the life of faith, the life that we now live is by faith in the Son of God who loved us and gave himself for us. So much of Paul's teaching, his ethical teaching on how to live and how he advocates the right way to live is within the eschatological framework of his theology. And we all know the, the phrase, what would Jesus do? How many have heard that? What would Jesus do? And it's not like Paul is going with necessarily what would Jesus do, but what would we do in the light of who we will be in Jesus' appearing? Because when we see him, we'll be like him, for we shall see him as he is, and we'll be changed and transformed in the twinkling of an eye. And of course, we'll be like him. So the way we live today is a reflection of what we will be like when Christ appears. This isn't just about uh, behavior modification. He isn't just trying to get the church to behave um, to a set of rules or anything like that. This is the process of the daily empowerment of the grace of God, which is transforming us as a church now as a foretaste of what we will be when we are fully transformed, when his kingdom finally appears in the end. And having this future goal sets us on a path where we follow Christ And when we set ourselves in the right direction, then we begin to walk with purpose in our daily life towards that end goal. That's just my introduction. My first point, and this is what I'm covering today, is the enrichment of God's grace, how grace has enriched our lives. And in in the coming weeks, I'll be talking about not lacking in anything spiritual, and then talking about what it means to be of unity, of one heart, one mind, one purpose. But this morning, to understand God's grace is to understand the finished work of Jesus Christ, to understand that the price has been paid, and here in the grace of God we stand. We need that as a, as a basic knowledge, like Ephesians says, um, it is by grace that we have been saved through Come on, you know the scripture. It's by grace we've been saved through faith. And it's a gift of God, not of our own doing, but it's a gift of him. And this grace isn't simply a matter of, okay, now I've got grace, I've got forgiveness. Now I've got grace, I've got a new beginning. But grace is a spiritual gift. And Paul says, let's desire spiritual gifts Because grace as a gift has within it the transformation power that comes from the nature of God. Grace means that whilst we may come as we are, we never leave the same. And I tell you, that is the good news of Jesus Christ, that when we come to him, we can come just as we are. But he never meant us to leave the same. And we need that expectation that when we encounter the grace of God, when we encounter the love of God, we have that expectation of transformation in our lives. I wonder how different our churches would be if we came with the expectation that we're going to have an encounter from the Spirit of God. That we're not just going through the motions of some religious service. But we really, truly believe that when we come, we're coming to encounter God. How many know that this morning? 
that our meetings are not just a religious service, but they are encounter with the living God. It's quiet in this uh, Anglican church. I mean, this uh, Presbyterian and Pentecostal evangelical church. You're very quiet this morning. What would happen if we raised our expectation as we approached our meeting together that we're not just going through the motions, but we believe this is an encounter where we are bringing heaven to earth? You know, when he said, pray your will be done on earth as it is in heaven, that has got to be our prayer. We need a bit of heaven on earth. We need a bit of spiritual empowerment in our daily walk. We need a bit of grace in my life. I need a bit of grace in my life every day. Ask, ask my wife. She needs more grace than I do, I'm sure. But this verse, Paul says he's always thankful to God for the grace in their life. Despite the disputes that they were going on, if you read the rest of Corinthians, despite the sexual immorality, despite the depravity that some of them have gone to, Paul says to them in, in chapter 3 and chapter 6, he says, you are the temple the very dwelling place of the Holy Spirit. And he says this to people who are particularly uh, human in the way that they are trying to operate and the divisions and the strife among them, the fact that they would go to the pagan court to solve disputes, chapter 6. And Paul says, come on, you guys, in the end, you're going to judge angels. You're going to be part of this uh, kingdom of God and you can't even resolve disputes among you. You are the temple of the Holy Spirit, he reminds them. But he's, he does this to lift them up. Because sometimes we need to see something bigger than ourselves. We need to see an end goal. We need to see a purpose in our lives, which helps us, doesn't it? Lift us up in our everyday. Because we know we have a goal and we know we have something to aim for. We know we have the gift of grace in our life, that it's not us that's doing this, but it's Christ that's working in us. Grace is so much uh, a, an abundant gift, more than we could ever dare to imagine, that the empowering of God's grace brings us into a place where we can begin to work out all the good things that God has for us. True? Grace brings a new depth of knowledge. This is my next point. Paul commends them for having knowledge of every kind. The, the scripture reveals to us the loving nature of God through Christ. And this knowledge comes by us asking questions. Let's never be afraid to ask questions. Doesn't mean you don't have faith just because you have questions. But have questions and really start to think and unpack some of the things that you believe and then what we believe when we start thinking about it challenges us to grow in our knowledge. See, God wants us to go deeper, to search the hidden treasures of wisdom and understanding that comes through the Spirit of God. He says, in Him, in Christ, is all the, the hidden treasures of wisdom and understanding. Now, not everyone wants to go to, to academic theology, but we can put ourselves in a position where we hunger to grow and to develop more. And I wonder if we sat down honestly with ourselves and really thought about what we want, what, where we want to be. If we really thought about areas of our life that we know that are lacking 
and we really believe that our God is a God who provides, then I know he will provide. And there's power in setting goals. There's power in having an aim on objective, setting targets. Now, some may not set a goal, set a target, maybe fear of failure. What if I set myself up to fail? But there's a sense that if we don't have something to aim for, we've already failed. We just don't know that we have because we haven't set ourselves a goal. But setting that goal, even a small one, say, God, I want to know more of you. I want to have more of you in my life. If we set a goal, the chances of hitting that goal go up considerably. But setting a goal means you know when you're heading in the right direction. And actually discovering that you're going in the wrong direction is, a, is very helpful. It helps to know where you're going. And growing in grace helps us with our spiritual development and how this gift of God is coming into our lives. If we know that we're going to be transformed to be like him in the end, then we know we have a, an end goal. We know we have purpose. We know that the glory of the Lord will be covered the earth like the waters cover the sea. We know that we're going to be part of that kingdom. Then we begin to live that out in the here and now, as we discover all the things that God has for us. Additionally, this gift of grace to, uh, bring, that transforms our lives brings us knowledge. It brings us understanding, but it helps us to grow in our knowledge and our speech. Someone once said, if grace is the door, that's how we enter. We enter to God through grace. The key to the door is knowledge. And wisdom is needed in the way that we walk through. Isn't that the truth? To go through the door of grace, we need the knowledge and understanding of God. And you say, well, God is so far above anything that I could ever understand. True. But do you not know you have the Spirit of God within you that searches the deep things of God? You have that. I'm not talking about dry theology. I'm talking about the living Spirit of God working and active in our lives and in our hearts. Paul says he gives thanks for the grace because you live in it and it enriches your life with strength and knowledge. That knowledge, not that we can be puffed up with pride, but that we can know that God has purpose for us. We're enriched in knowledge. And Jesus says that eternal life is the knowledge of God. This is John 17, verse 3. It's the knowledge of God and Jesus Christ whom he sent. That is the kind of knowledge that we need. And in speech, you need grace. I need grace in my speech because what comes out of my mouth is of the abundance of my heart. And that's not to feel condemnation, but it warns us and allows us to take our spiritual temperature. Paul says to the church in Colossians, he says, let your speech be filled with grace or let you be gracious in your speech, seasoned with salt so that you might have the knowledge to speak and to answer everyone. Because we speak the truth of God, but we do it with love and grace. We do it not to be prideful, look at me, but we do it to, look, to be kind and encouraging. Let our speech be that filled with grace that comes with wisdom from the Spirit of God. And I am closing with this. I'll close where I started. 
He says, I give thanks to my God always. Are you thankful for the grace of God in your life? I thank you. I give thanks to my God always for you because of the grace of God that's been given you in Jesus Christ. For in every way you have been enriched in him. Are you feeling enriched by the grace of God? Are you feeling that your knowledge and your speech is going to be increased? Just as the testimony has been strengthened among you, I'll stop there. Paul recognized the grace of God in the life of those in Corinth. Despite their proclivity to act as mere human beings in their behavior, despite the divisions and differences among them, he reminds them constantly of who they are in Christ. I think that's a real pastoral heart from Paul, isn't it? It's reminding their believers that you have the Spirit of God within you. It reminds them of the grace that they've been given. It reminds them and keeps them focused that the day of our Lord Jesus Christ is coming. And in that day, God will keep you. And that you'll be able to faithfully serve Him. That you'll be able to faithfully see the outworking of God's grace in your life. See, what's important to Paul is that while we are waiting for that end goal, that end game, and with this end in mind, while we're waiting, we're playing our part in the here and now. And I feel challenged by that. I feel challenged to say, okay, what is the purpose of my life? What is the direction that I'm heading? Am I being led by the Spirit? Am I being filled by the Spirit? Am I allowing this picture of what I will be like in the end to work out in my life in the here and now? Maybe we need, like the Corinthians, to be reminded of the grace of God in our life. Maybe there's areas in our speech where we're lacking grace. Maybe we're not feeling the right direction that we need to be going. Maybe we need that knowledge of God. Maybe we need some wisdom to apply that knowledge. Maybe we need to be reminded of the grace of God in our lives. Let's just pray, shall we? Heavenly Father, I ask that you enrich us by your grace. We make ta- may we make ta- time, may we make time for you, for your Holy Spirit, to ask you to reveal your purposes to us, to give us direction, to see ourselves in the light of who we will be when we see you truly as you are. Help us to live in the here and now. Help us to live in your grace and the wonder of your might and your majesty. May we live now with the future assured that you've both begun a good work, Lord. You've begun a good work. You've filled us with your grace. You've filled us. You've enriched us. And we ask this in Jesus' mighty name.
Amen. Amen.